What's up, homies? What's up, homies? I'm Erica. And I'm Roshane. And as always, thank you so much for hanging out with us today as we get into another spooky movie. This time we are finally veering off from shark, shark, uh, shark infested waters, I shall say. <laughs> and we are steering into some brand new territory not too new it's been normally we might have jumped on this a little bit sooner but we wanted to give you homies a little bit of time to head out and see this movie because it is a straight to theater release we know not everybody can go and see this movie in the theaters right when it comes out me being one of them but <laughs> we are very very excited to finally be talking about the newest movie from jordan peele nope Yes. Well, no. Well, yes. Yes to nope. <laughs> yes. Yes to nope. Um, this is a movie that I just, at this time of recording, I just got home from seeing. Mm -hmm. And then, Roshane, you saw this opening the day, day it came out, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what I thought. I was like, I'm pretty sure you saw this opening day. But so... We're hoping that you might potentially get some different perspectives because we have one person who has had a little bit of time to sit and simmer on this movie, mm -hmm. maybe think about it, look into some things, reflect on it. And then I'm coming in with my fresh, hot off the presses thoughts and tentative ideas and theories about and the opinions movie and everything. opinions <laughs> as far as what i tried to put together let me tell you something dodging spoilers for this movie i have barely been on our instagram page like mm -hmm. i go on it just to post and then i'm gone i am gone because i don't want to see anybody posting right. i want to see i almost got i saw like the beginning of some video that said the it was something that said the meaning behind gordy i said nope nope who's gordy i don't know i don't know him i don't know him don't yeah, talk to me I about him don't talk about him it's been yes i've been dodging him like it's my job mm -hmm. and successfully so so yes i haven't really looked into any oh i haven't looked into any theories or breakdowns of this movie yeah and we also have not talked about this movie at all up until no. this point um, other than a couple shared emojis between each other after I think we both saw it. Yeah. I sent you a smirky face. You <laughs> sent me back. I sent you cloud. back some eyes in the cloud. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that is the extent of our conversation about the movie. And for that, I'm actually really excited because I haven't had a chance since watching this movie to actually get to sit down and have a conversation about it and really kind of mull it over. I've had mm -hmm. time to think about it for sure, but I haven't had time to or I haven't had the opportunity to talk about it. And I'm very excited to do that today. Right. Me, same for me. I haven't had really any. So I went and saw this with my fiance and we discussed it a bit after watching it, just in the manner of, so what'd you think? Did you like it? Blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So bounced off of each other there a little bit, but nothing too crazy, nothing too in depth. 
I was really just trying to get my thoughts processed and together to have mm-hmm. this discussion here. So yes, I'm excited to really break this one down with you. Oh, well, I mean, in the spirit of that conversation, and since we do want to show some love to our spoiler-free homies, um, in the most spoiler-free way that you can, mm-hmm. Erica, well, what did you think? So overall, first, let me start off by saying you guys know how important my movie theater going experience is to me. You know how True. much that dictates my how I enjoy a movie. I will say top notches for the theater experience. It was mm-hmm. only us and then one other couple. Those were the only people in the theater. We almost had a clean sweep. But right before the movie started, they walked in and I said, you know what? I'm okay with that. So <laughs> that was nice. But I, you know, I liked this movie. Mm-hmm. I did. I will say, I think I had a situation with this one that I have not experienced in previous Jordan Peele films, which is I wasn't completely on board straight off the bat in the way mm-hmm. that I have been with previous films of his. It took me a minute to get into this one. I had a switch, I would say, about half an hour in where I was fully locked and loaded. I would say about an hour in, I my appreciation for this movie grew. And then by the end of it, I liked it. In retrospection, I enjoyed this movie more than when I was watching it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. After learning everything, seeing everything, getting the full scope of everything. Right. I enjoyed this movie when it ended more than I feel like I enjoyed it as it was occurring. Gotcha. But I liked this movie. Like I liked it the whole way through. It just, when it ended, I really felt like I was able to take it in because in a way I do think this movie is a much grander scale and also is a much slower burn than mm-hmm. previous ones. And so I think for me, the processing of information within this film was on a much slower degree than I've experienced for Get Out or for Us. Okay. And so, and not in a bad way, just in a way where I think I, seeing the full picture was what I needed in this one. Mm-hmm. But by the end of it, I was like, yes, I like that movie. I enjoyed that. I am happy with that. Okay. What about you? You know, honestly, it's a little bit similar. Um, granted, again, I did see it about a week ago at this point. So mm-hmm. I, I've had some time to like sit and ponder and think about my experience um, going. Um, I, on the reverse side, went in a packed theater. Uh, right. There was barely an empty seat in the house. Um, I also had a couple of friends who were in the audience as well. And so I did get to see Nope with uh, I I think perhaps in the way that um, Jordan imagined it to be seen like in a filled theater on IMAX with like the full experience of the crowd interacting with the scenes and like all Mm -hmm. this stuff. And I would say as a theater going experience, I enjoyed it. Um, I'm not always a huge fan of like a lot of audience participation, but Again, I've done it for Get Out. I've done it for us at this point. So I kind of knew what to expect going into Nope. Like I knew that there would be some of that. Um, but I will say that it was different this time around. It yes. wasn't this. It wasn't the same 
as with those previous entries. And I think that the amount of participation was a bit more spread out than in the other movies, because like you said, this one is a much slower burn Mm -hmm. than I think some of his previous um, installments. Um, But similarly to you, I enjoyed the movie watching it through, um, but I wasn't sure how I felt about it until afterwards. And then even afterwards, I gotta be honest, I wasn't entirely sure how I felt I too knew that I enjoyed and liked the movie, Mm -hmm. but I didn't know where it sat in like the grand scope of movies that I've enjoyed or even just Jordan Peele movies that I'd seen up until this point. Um, Mm -hmm. Even conversations like right after seeing it about like friends talking about, oh, like, what did you think? Or like, did you like it and stuff like that? I was telling everyone, yeah, I liked it a lot, but I didn't know why. Like, I didn't understand why I liked it. I wasn't sure why I liked it. I didn't know if I liked it just because I'm a huge fan of Jordan Peele and his work or if like just seeing something of that scale in IMAX was a fun experience for me. I couldn't quite put my finger on what it was. But I'll say that after spending some time to like sit and simmer about it um, and also hearing some conversations with the with the um, cast about the creation of the movie and what the movie stands for and all this stuff, I think I can confidently say now that I really, really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it took some time to think about and it took some mulling over to finally get to that point. But I'll say sitting here today, I really enjoyed Nope. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it seems like for both of us, this one was a bit of a grower, not a shower, which is not (laughs) bad. Like I said, I think that there is something to be said about a movie where it really needs to be taken as the full package. And Mm -hmm. as you get breadcrumbs and bits of information throughout, it builds and it builds and it builds upon itself so that by the end of it, you get a you feel like you've had a complete journey. And I do feel that way with this film. I do feel like I was taken on a ride. I enjoyed that ride. And I'm, I was happy when I stepped off of the ride. That's what Mm -hmm. I felt like by the time that this ended. But in the way of thinking of this, of like a roller coaster, I would say maybe the first half an hour for me was that is that like ascend up when you're waiting for the drop and mm-hmm. you're thinking, oh, I know something good's coming, but you have to be patient and wait for that, which and, and I'm and I'm not in any way saying that the first half an hour is not good because it definitely is. I think they do a wonderful job in this movie of character building. I would say for me, this movie out of all the three that I've seen from him is was the funniest to me and Mm -hmm. also i think did a really great job in that beginning bit of really allowing you to meet these characters and grow with them before things popped off but maybe i think i was just waiting for that pop off and i think that was partly my fault because Mm -hmm. You you go in, I do think, and I feel like I'm sure for a lot of people, you maybe having a name or having a director where they, you've really, really enjoyed all of their work. I feel like you do kind of go into their movies and maybe you're 
already expecting things to be a certain way and not necessarily allowing them to rather than like me allow him to bring me into the world i feel like i already built the world and said this is what it's gonna be because it's jordan peele yeah and i do think that that was partly on me and i think especially now having seen it going back i feel like i would enjoy this on the next rewatch more than i did this time because i would already have cleaned that slate right and and that was on me i will say i give i will take the (laughs) blame i take the responsibility for that one (laughs) yeah and i i don't think you're alone in that i think i myself am guilty of that to a degree i think most people who went out to go see Nope probably feel that way in some sense because i mean as far as most people are concerned like jordan has been two for two at this point so i think a lot of us were coming into Nope with a lot of expectation a lot of hype um and that is always a probably like slightly concerning thing i'm sure mm-hmm. um going into you, you know the third film in your series and it was something that was kind of inevitable with the other two being so good but yeah i agree i i definitely think this is one of those movies that you have to allow nope to be nope you have to allow it to be the movie that it set out to be and i think when you watch it in that way you're you allow yourself to gain more from the experience and gain more from the watch as opposed to going into it expecting it to be something that it has never promised to be right you know it has never said it was going to be anything other than what it is and getting rid of those preconceived notions i think does allow you to really get to watch this movie and although i only had the opportunity to watch it once before sitting down to talk to you today i cannot wait to go back and rewatch it to like mm-hmm. experience more of the things that i probably missed during that first right. Uh, viewing right and and i guess so for me to say to any of the homies who have not yet seen this or are wondering if they should see this and you're just looking for some inclination either way from us i would recommend it mm-hmm. i will say learning from my perhaps both of our mistakes Definitely go in with a clear head and open mind. Although, like, don't take the trailer and say, I know exactly what this is. And also mm-hmm. don't take the past movies and say, I know I'm expecting X, Y, and Z. I think just go in and have a really open mind. And also, too, if nothing else, this is a beautifully shot movie. Oh, it's this gorgeous. This is a wonderfully acted movie this is a really great ride i don't really Mm -hmm. know how else to explain it and there's a lot of twists and turns and things going on and that's part of the fun of this movie for me is it's different and it's strange but in a good way where you don't ever really know where it's going to go or what is happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, agree 100% on all of those pros. And I, I think one to tack on there too is, um, for me, this was just an absolute joy of an experience in the movie theater. And I was so happy about that. Like this was, this for me was my summer blockbuster. And mm-hmm. I re- it hit all the notes that I needed it to in that degree. 
it gave me that experience that I think a lot of us who are huge movie nerds or, or movie fans um, remember from our past, like going out just to see an exciting movie during the summer. I think Nope captures that energy perfectly. And on top of that, it does add in these layers of great acting, great cinematography, um, great writing. And it combines all these things into an experience that I I will say I also definitely recommend this movie. And I try not to push it too much because I know people's um, uh, comfortability varies. But I do really think that this is one that is meant to be experienced in the theater. You should see this one on the big screen to get the full scope of mm-hmm. Nope. I, I couldn't I couldn't help. <laughs> oh I couldn't help it. I had to do it. I- <laughs> Dude, I will say, and this didn't happen during the movie, but I don't know what was going on in our theater. The first trailer, when it hit, it was so fucking loud. Like the <laughs> first, I don't know what your trailers, but our first trailer was Barbarian. And mm-hmm. the like hits, the musical stings in it. The first one that hit was so loud. Both <laughs> both me and Anthony jumped and I was like, God damn, in the theater. <laughs> it was so loud. Luckily... I don't know if that's just how it came or if they fixed it in the theater by the time the movie started. Luckily, that was fixed. Mm-hmm. But when that those first two trailers were playing, in my head, I thought, is it always like this? Is it always so loud? Or <laughs> like, is it just that I haven't been to a movie in a long time and I forgot how loud it is? Or are we about to get, is my wig about to be blown <laughs> back? Like, that's what I felt like. But thankfully... It was fixed by the time the movie started. <laughs> okay, that's good. Now, I can't say I had any uh, sound uh, discrepancies w- during my viewing, but um, I'm glad that it sorted <laughs> itself out. Thank for goodness me. for that. Yeah, because that would have... Because, I mean, it's the... This movie is a mixture of genres, too, I feel like. It's sci-fi, it's Western, it's action. Mm-hmm. There's a couple horror elements. It's a lot of different things, but visually and... Audio wise, it's it's a really nice mixture of a lot of different genres mm-hmm. for me and a lot of different formats. Yeah. And I really enjoyed that as well. But yeah, I think in the theater, it is a really nice scope, especially because and this isn't a spoiler. You got this from the trailer. Obviously, it takes a lot of it takes place on a ranch. You get a lot of wide shots and sweeping shots and you really feeling the openness and the vast land of this area that they're in i feel like is part of it and it does play very well on a larger screen Mm -hmm. so yeah if you've been debate like if you're like i do want to see it in theaters and you're okay with that i definitely think that it's worth it because i do feel like a lot of that feeling of feeling kind of small in this big open area works best on the biggest screen you can possibly see it on. Mm -hmm. So yeah, if you, if that was like a debate in your head of like, do I want to go see it in theaters? Do it. Yeah, I, I, I would, I think it's in like, I didn't see it on IMAX. I don't know if you did. I did. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I didn't do that. It probably was (laughs) even better on IMAX, but yeah, I, I, I felt like IMAX, IMAX for this one felt really good. Um, I think I did see somewhere that they shot this on IMAX cameras as well. So like, mm-hmm. I think it was designed to be seen on that 
giant scope. Um, but even if you don't see it in its entirety, that form, I think just being able to see it in the theater still gives you the the same feeling of yeah. vast, wide area that I think would be a little bit harder to capture at home mm. on a TV screen. And I also would say, and I hardly ever recommend this, but I will for this movie, don't sit right up on it. Like, don't be right <laughs> up on the screen. But if you can get closer, I actually think this is a would be is a movie that benefits from being closer to the screen rather than farther away. This mm -hmm. is coming from someone who usually sits as far in the back as possible. Mm -hmm. I found myself thinking throughout the movie where, because there's a lot of things where you're, it's like important, what you see is important, what you catch is important. And I feel like if I would have been closer, it would have added some fun of almost like scanning oh, the so horizon. Like yeah, like scanning the things. area. Yeah. It would have almost felt like you were in their position. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that would have been really cool rather than being further back and not really having to do that. Okay. So I like I said, don't be don't be right up on there because that's uncomfortable. <laughs> don't be but breathing like, on the screen. You know, but you know what I mean. They usually have yeah. the aisle and then the front. Like if you can get up in that front where you're you're far back enough that you're not craning your neck, but you're closer. Mm -hmm. I would I would personally do that. Okay, I feel that that's a solid suggestion. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> but all right. We do need to kind of break this one down. I think that's a solid amount of information for all of our spoiler-free homies. So if you guys want to check out the movie and come back, finish up this episode, we're here for you. We ain't going nowhere. Um, but for everybody else who came here to, like, break this stuff down, should we jump into it, Erica? Let's do it. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye, homies who haven't seen it yet. Goodbye. Thank you for being here. <laughs> But all right, y'all, we are entering into spoiler territory, so you have been warned. But today, as you know, we are talking about Nope. This movie was released in 2022 from director and writer Jordan Peele, starring Daniel Kaluuya as OJ, Kiki Palmer as Emerald or M, Brandon Para as Angel, Stephen Yoon as Ricky or Jupe, Michael Wincott as Antlers Holst with cinematography from Hoyt von Hoytema and musical score from Michael Labels. When Otis Haywood, owner of Haywood Hollywood Horses, is struck down in a freak accident, it is up to his surviving children, M and OJ to carry on the family legacy. But with money running low and tensions running high, the siblings may be forced to sell their late father's ranch. That is, until a nearby UFO sighting presents the siblings with the opportunity of a lifetime. If they can capture the craft on film and sell the footage, they may be able to save their land. But will the risk be worth it when dealing with creatures from beyond the clouds? Insert Black-Owned Businesses, Blood Rain, and Overzealous Photography Here. Our film concludes with our siblings and their team risking it all to get the impossible shot 
But when it's all over, will there be anyone left to cash the check? Also, what do you call a bad miracle? Roll credits. Very nice. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> okay. So, now that we're in spoiler territory, mm-hmm. we can dive a little bit more into the, the juiciness, the meat, the horse meat of this film, <laughs> if you will. Oh, not the horse meat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, true that, true that. Now, granted, this is a the- theatrical release, so we couldn't really take notes this right. time. Um, but there's still a lot of stuff to talk about, a lot of stuff to unpack. Where would you like to start, Erica? I guess just to break to to start with the more basics or the more fundamentals, uh, let's break down our characters and kind of their journeys, I suppose, throughout the film, kind of their motivations, because that's a huge part of this film, I think, is the the characters and their motivations is really what pushes a lot of this along. That's true. And so even kind of from the get go, uh, I mean, we start with the little snippet from the later scene with Gordy, which we won't touch on to too much. Um, But we quickly get introduced to OJ, who is with his father, Otis Haywood, who is played by Keith David, which was "Mm, what a good choice. (laughs) Uh, The man, the myth, the legend himself, Keith David, who... I was really, I mean, I knew, I knew he wasn't going to be around long, mm-hmm. but I was, I was high key devastated when he got <laughs> taken out. <laughs> yeah. Cause it was so quick. It was so yeah. quick and it was kind of unexpected too. Like I, I agreed. I knew it was going to happen, but I just didn't expect it to happen. Like right there, right then. Like mm-hmm. I do think the movie kind of thrusts you into the exciting or the inciting incidents very quickly. Yes. And I do think that from that, you do gain a decent amount from these characters. Um, OJ, for example, we get as kind of this soft-spoken, hardworking individual. um, And then we later on get the pairing with his sister, M, that they're a bit of a pairing where he is, he's kind of like the down and dirty, he's doing the work, he's getting the things done while she's kind of the personality of the family. And the two of them are now in basically control of this ranch now that their father has passed uh, after being killed by by a falling quarter (laughs) yeah it's a falling coin and so right away something weird is happening because yeah there's at first it's you can't tell what's happening but you can just tell that something is coming out of the sky at a rapid rate Mm-hmm. And so quickly that it almost seems like gunfire hailing from the sky. Right. But then we find out later that it's a bunch of random objects like keys and coins and things that people might like loose things that people might carry with them. Mm-hmm. And that is randomly rained down one day. And yes, one of the coins takes out Keith David and kills him because it hits him in the eye and probably does quite a bit of damage to his head mm-hmm. because of the speed that it falls out. But yeah, we, so we have OJ, who is a very stoic character. It seems like he is really followed in his father's footsteps and now as a result has taken it upon himself to kind of continue 
in his father's legacy. Yeah. And I like what they do in the sense of, yes, although he has probably grown up and maybe this was always the expectation for him to take over, mm -hmm. the suddenness of it has found, has left him in a spot where he is vastly unprepared yeah. to helm everything that has been left for him because yes he was there and he was helping his dad but in many ways it's very obvious that the dad was still very much in charge yeah he was the face and the brains and oj just really followed him and did kind of whatever you know his dad said we need to do X, Y, and Z, and OJ mm -hmm. fulfilled that. Not and to say now, that he wasn't, you know, skilled at doing these no, things, but it's no. just, you know, he was he was the helping hand yes. to the father figure. It's obvious that he is skilled with the horses, mm -hmm. but that's not just their job. True. Their job is that they bring these horses to sets, and so you have to be personable. You can't just be the person who's like, yeah, I'm expert in horses. Like, you have to be also able to work on these sets. I feel like it's very obvious that OJ, that side of the business is not what is interesting to him. Mm -hmm. He cares about the horses. Yeah. But obviously, that's not where the money is coming from. The money is coming from working on these movies and commercials and things like that. And so that's the side that he is not skilled in. And that's where M comes in. She is the Hollywood of this of the Haywood Hollywood and horses. He's the horses. She's the Hollywood. She's the Hollywood. Yeah, most <laughs> Cause, definitely. Because she is much more comfortable. She is not as she doesn't like break horses and do all of that, like the ranch stuff. That's not her bag. She is the face. She's got charisma. She's very social. She's very personable. She is very like she's the one who comes in and talks to people and makes connections. And that's what she is interested in. And I do think that I like how different they are. Mm -hmm. you, can, you can sense that they are, they, when they're together, they have this very specific bond. Yeah, and they very complimentary. Yes. And they communicate very well together. But you can see where they butt heads at the same time because both of them don't they're not interested in the things that the other person is the most interested in. Mm -hmm. They're like two sides of this coin. And when they're together, they make a great team. But then at the same time, when they're together, you can see that they kind of can grate on each other a little bit only because they don't understand those aspects of each other. Right. Um, but they, but they also have that sibling energy too, which oh, was yeah. something that I really enjoyed myself, like watching the two of them as a pairing because, um, with OJ, how stoic OJ was, I really enjoyed all the moments of, um, all the moments of freedom that we saw within his character when he was able to be alone with his sister, because it was very clear that they were siblings from the performance because M was able to pull out a side of OJ that yeah. no one else could. Um, when we see him on set, when he's, you know, he's overwhelmed, but when he's like interacting with these people, he is very kept to himself. He's very reserved. But the moment you get a scene between OJ and M just talking, shooting the shit, 
that's when you get layers of his personality. That's when you start getting a better idea of who he is. Mm -hmm. And that's only through the fact that he has this person that he's so comfortable with that he's willing to be himself. And for me, it made me look forward to the scenes where it was just the two of them because i knew i mean m you get her personality wherever she goes like she holds that on her sleeve to in the best regard possible Mm -hmm. it's like you know who she is when she walks in the room but unlocking this oj character is something that you have to do over the course of the movie and i enjoyed doing that through this vehicle that was the relationship between these siblings Mm -hmm. oh yeah and and it just plays to the actor's strengths as well I mean, Daniel Kaluuya, like, he says so much when he says nothing. His facial mm-hmm. expressions, things that he can just convey with his eyes are fantastic. He yeah, can say so a lot by saying nothing at all. And so having him play a character that is very much built in silence is great, especially in juxtaposition with Kiki Palmer, who as a person in real life is just so interesting and charismatic and you just want to be her friend (laughs) and i feel like that really bleeds into emma lot is she really is a ball of energy that kind of that can steamroll perhaps through a room but yeah when they get together it makes sense it's it's Mm -hmm. the two types that you need because they work the best together because they're like the yin and the yang so they balance each other out really well and Mm -hmm. i think too that there's something to be said in the sense of m is the younger sibling and i do feel like that's very obvious in the sense of it feels like OJ has picked up a lot of responsibility and whereas she's a little bit more carefree and can kind of do her own thing he feels much more like it's up to him to really make sure that things run the way that they need to and he's he doesn't think he can take any time off from that but then I and I feel this as a younger sibling I also feel like there's this I this sense from M that because she was younger and also possibly because she is the girl in the family, her father never really gave her a chance to Mm. even, Mm -hmm. if she wanted to do the work there, that was never really even an option. And that's kind of portrayed through this story she tells of this horse jean jacket that was supposed to be hers. And she was supposed to help kind of break in and instead the dad ended up using that horse on one of the movies and had oj help break that horse in and she didn't even get to participate at all mm-hmm. and you can see that that's something that happened when she was younger but that's still really stuck in her mind it's like a memory that she can never m- get over kind of a thing yeah. and i feel like there's this idea of like, oh, M just does her own thing and she's never here. But at the same time, it kind of feels like they never really gave her a chance to take on any of that responsibility. Right. To be a part of this thing yeah. that that they built as a family, because this is their legacy. Like yeah. this is what their family's known for. Mm-hmm. And it, you're right. Like based on her story and based on what we see, it kind of felt like she got alienated from that and was never like you said given that chance to really um see if she fits into the mold of Mm -hmm. what the hayward family is about yeah or sorry the haywood family yes but it's like it's that would have been her horse and Mm -hmm. 
she never got one. And so maybe it's that moment where she said, this isn't the life for me. And so you can't really, I, but at the, but then at the same time, you have this OJ who, yes, maybe he wanted all of this, but now he is, has all this weight on his shoulders. He's making all these big decisions that he never was prepared to make. And also too, you have to wonder if there's a little bit of resentment because M was supposed to be there the day that their mm-hmm. dad died and she didn't show up. She wasn't there. And it yeah. was completely up to OJ to handle that situation. Right. And so you can see both sides where it's like you, I have to take on all of this weight and all of this responsibility and that's frustrating. But then at the same time as like a younger sibling, sometimes it's frustrating because you feel like they don't, they underestimate you and they mm-hmm. don't think that you can handle decisions. Like he never wants to involve her in the business. Right. And yeah, he's kind of right. Cause she is, she can get off, get off topic sometimes. Yeah. And she gets a little scattered her, her and distracted. Will, will <laughs> yeah. deviate from time to time. Yeah. But all this, at the same time, this is her legacy too. And yeah. she's not a baby. Like mm-hmm. she should be involved in these decisions. Yeah, most definitely. And I, I do think that um, over the course of the movie, too, there is a bit of a beautiful juxtaposition of the fact that we start this film under the idea or thought that these two siblings don't actually work together very well. Like when mm-hmm. we see them as a unit in that brief moment where um, where they're at the soundstage, um, they look right. They look like in control. They look like a unit. But we have so many instances where they're not a unit, where they're Mm -hmm. disconnected, where they're not working together. And this new jean jacket ends up kind of being the big project that we get to see them work together on. And I do think that they're that that switch throughout the course of the movie from being two siblings who are living these separate lives that have to occasionally intersect to becoming a um duo that has to tackle this specific conflict together Mm -hmm. i do think that that's a beautiful thing and i think a lot of the growth in their sibling relationship comes from that um these two being forced to work together and what that does to them and like their relationship with each other i think that's really um it's really fascinating to watch and i think both kiki palmer and daniel i think they both play the different notes and beats of that very well oh yeah super well and it's nice to see em get her moment Mm -hmm. at the end she gets to have her moment where she says no i'm not it's not all up to you i can do this too yeah and i can break this beast kind of Mm -hmm. a thing and she does and i think that that was nice for it to end with her being the one to kind of deal the killing blow and because i think in this sort of a movie you wouldn't you would expect that it would probably oj really has been played throughout the film to be the one to figure it out right so it's really nice for that to be kind of thrown on its head a bit and for m to be the one to because they 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 kind of show that earlier she is very observant which kind of comes from her being quite scatterbrained mm-hmm. is she is she is very observant and i like that in this beginning where she where they go to 
Is it Juniper's Juniper's claim? Is yeah, that what it's uh, called? Uh, I think it's Jupiter's claim. Jupiter's claim, yeah. When they go to Jupiter's claim, she notices all of these things that end up helping her later on in this ending moment. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that that was a really nice way to button her story and help her kind of move past this thing that you can tell has really been eating at her over the years. Yeah, for a long, for a long mm-hmm. time. One thing, okay, so one thing that I also enjoyed with these characters in the story and the setting is mm-hmm. it's just nice to see black cowboys and like ranch hands. You don't really see that a lot. Yeah. It, re- it reminds me of like the first time I saw Django, which, oh, yeah. although it. It involve it still involves like slavery and some of like the the bad sides of history in regards to black people. Seeing black people within this realm where we're typically not seen very often is always nice. Like it's mm-hmm. always in- enjoyable because cowboys are cool. Like yeah. who who out there is really gonna sit there and tell me you don't enjoy seeing a sexy black cowboy for real? We like for horses real? too. We like horses. Yeah. I know. I liked that element of it. And I also think it's cool too the whole idea because when they when they do their spiel, like their spiel for their company, mm-hmm. I like that they include they because it's obviously very, very important to their father and therefore has been passed down in importance to them that mm-hmm. the heart of their company is the fact that they are the only black company that does this that like rents horses to hollywood and mm-hmm. they're the only black owned company yeah, that's doing that very important in, to them. Mm-hmm, in california and that's super important to them i love that that's something that he has obviously instilled in them it's been a part of their their speech probably since the inception of it and their heritage Mm -hmm. is so important to them because they are they say they're related to the first black man who was photo the first first photograph (laughs) of someone riding a horse was of a black man a black Mm -hmm. jockey and they say they're related to him and so that's obviously very important to them that history and also just it's important. You can tell that they want that to be. It's something that is probably forgotten because at, mm-hmm. in Hollywood in general, there are a lot of black people who have done things or been the blueprint for things who have then been forgotten in favor right. for white musicians or actors or directors or what have you that have come after them and they maybe have gotten the praise for those things but i like that it's important to them that they're like no this is what our history is this is why this is important to us and it will Mm -hmm. be important to you whether you want it to be or not (laughs) yeah you're gonna gonna have to listen to this bit you're gonna learn about it today yeah because and i like that they do it in the safety speech because obviously the safety speech is something that has to happen so i like that they do Mm -hmm. it in that because then they can say like they always will get a chance to say it um but um also in this combination though it's not just the two of them we do get introduced to the character of angel <laughs> yeah. um part way through 
Um, and I'm curious, what, how did you feel about Angel? Um, just from love, the get, I love Angel. Right, I think he's Angel's pretty. Great. He's pretty damn lovable. I he's feel like he great. might low key be one of the people's champs right now, based on the reception that I've seen so far from the movie. I think a lot of people like Angel. He's great. He's the comedic relief, and but also too, he kind of acts as the. Although all of these, well, not all of them, but mainly although I would say M and OJ have fairly reasonable reactions to things, I feel like Angel is kind of the stand-in for the audience and that his reactions to things align with how I feel like I would react to a lot of things because Mm -hmm. he's kind of been pulled. His curiosity has really allowed itself to get the better of him. And so he's kind of not necessarily been pulled because he definitely invites himself into this situation a hundred percent but also at the same time it's like hey you have these people who are basically saying i have aliens above my house every night and his he can't resist he he's interested right off the bat when you realize that he is interested in ufos and aliens like that's something that intrigues him Mm -hmm. and so this is just too good of a thing to pass up but i like how he is willing to be involved, but he also is like only so willing to be involved. He never wanted to be in any danger. He just wants right. to see the cool stuff. Like he just wants to be there and discover it, but he doesn't want to get hurt. <laughs> like, right. But also in the same way, both OJ and M are kind of keeping him at arm's length as well, right. where it's like they really want this to be a them thing. And Angel does kind of like insert himself into the equation. Yes. Um, though I... I absolutely love their first interactions with each other. Also, shout out to Fry's Electronics. Great fucking place to get uh, (laughs) electronic stuff for nerdy people. And I feel like this movie probably boosted their sales a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, Are they still open? uh, Last I checked before the pandemic, they were. Okay, Um, because I was like, I don't even know if they're still open. Something tells me after this movie, they're probably open, if nothing else. But that being said, once the character gets introduced and then once he becomes a part of our crew i do think he does add a very um fun flavor that we i don't think was necessarily missing but was very welcome mm-hmm. you know and he does add that third perspective that i think gives a grander scope of things and i love that the character has a little bit of like ufo mania once we get to know a little bit more it's it's very fun that all of these characters you get to peel the layers back and mm-hmm. see like who they are underneath. I really enjoy doing that for every single character that we see. Yeah. And I think Angel was just a prime example of like when you first meet him, it's a little standoffish, so that you don't really know what to think, but then the more time you spend with him, um I think the more you allow yourself to become mm-hmm. a little bit attached. And I love the idea, too, because sometimes you do have to wonder, you're like, why do these characters get themselves into this situation? But also at the same time, it's not only his like interest and intrigue and aliens and the possibility of that. I like how when a little bit after we meet him, you realize he is like dealing with this heartbreak. He just broke up. <laughs> his girlfriend just broke up with me and he's probably really bored and lonely and like mm-hmm. doesn't know what else to do besides go to work and then go home and probably 
I don't play VR and cry himself to sleep. And so it, then it just adds this other layer of you're like, okay, you're a guy that you got a lot of, ex you have a bunch of time in your hands now that you weren't expecting to have. And this is something to keep you distracted. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I just, he's a great, he's a great character. Yeah, nice little fantastic. relief. Yeah, uh, nice, I think, needed relief. And I think Brandon came into just this film in general um, as a real powerhouse. Because, I mean, you're going into a Jordan Peele film. Film? <laughs> you're going into a Jordan <laughs> Peele film with a lot of well-known faces. And you're expected to keep up with them. And I think he did a fantastic job. I think that he he felt like a part of this crew. Um, yeah. and I never second guess that at any point. So I just think like kudos, um, for that. Um, but speaking of other familiar faces, we have Steven Yoon playing, mm -hmm. uh, Jupe or Ricky or whatever yeah. you want to call him. Um, one of, I think my favorite characters, not going to lie, just in terms of nuance very and, complex and, and very complex, a lot of layers in this character. But what did you think? He's a very, very, this character has a lot of ebbs and flows for me. He mm -hmm. seems a very specific way when you first meet him. And then I think as, because this movie, this movie at times has like a, has a non-chronological -chron order. So it'll do flashbacks and then come back to present day. And I think his character gets the most affected as far as what we know about him as a result of that mm -hmm. storytelling because you learn things about who how he is as a person now and how that was affected by this incident with gordy in his youth because he's a past child star and he now has this business he runs it's basically it's like an it's like an old saloon town that kid that you go to to live in the past for a little mm -hmm. bit it's kind of like an not an amusement park because there's not really rides but it's more of just like a town that you yeah. can walk through and experience and he he is one of the characters who capitalizes on this incident that has occurred and really kind of uses that to his benefit. But it's crazy because when you have the flashbacks, you can see that that was a really traumatizing moment in his right. life. But then you come to the future and he uses that moment as almost a a way of Oh, he uses it to make money. He uses it to mm -hmm. to benefit his business and the way that he talks about it. He almost seems almost prideful that he was there for that and that he survived that and that people are still talking about it. Mm -hmm. And also, too, he is a character that feels like he thinks that he it, to me this is what i got from the whole gordy incident and how mm -hmm. it and what he's doing now with what he thinks what does he call them the visitors or the the watchers oh, the, or the, viewers, the viewers the viewers the viewers <laughs> what he considers the viewers it feels like to me he almost seems to have this complex where it seems like because he survived that incident he almost thinks that he is 
in, not invincible, but it feels like he thinks that he has some kind of connection to the viewers and mm -hmm. that because of what happened to him and because he survived that, I think that that whole situation happening for him and him being the only person to survive, because it wasn't even that he was the only person to survive. It's that it seems like Gordy was submissive submitting to him because the way that he approached Ricky seemed like it was in a friendlier manner mm -hmm. than he had just been on this rampage and now all of a sudden everything is calmed down. Right. Now that could, that could be because he, you know, snapped Snap out back of his, or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Snapped out of his stupor or that could be, it seemed friendly again, but perhaps Gordy would have attacked. We don't know because like I said, he's a wild animal. He's unpredictable. Mm -hmm. But I wonder if in Ricky's point of view, it almost felt like he tamed Gordy in some way. Right. And he and there was something about him that made this this unstoppable animal relax and calm down and so i feel like there's some of that that might be fueling his feelings towards this thing that he feels like he's figured out how to tame because i wonder if he's riding still kind of riding that high mm -hmm. from that and that feeling from that and that's why he's like so certain that he's tamed it because i wonder if he just feels like there's something about him mm -hmm. that maybe possesses this power to tame the untamable it's funny because i think my perception of the character of jupe has changed a little bit since my viewing um because i was very much like that like fresh out of seeing this movie mm -hmm. um because when you first watch it uh he's almost set up you know in his own way to be like the mini boss like not really the main <laughs> villain but he in the context of what we're watching and exploring, he takes more of the antagonizing side. And then he even leads to the most probably horrific scene mm -hmm. in the movie as uh, led kind of by his own hubris. And I think you can adopt a lot of that from even the situation with Gordy. Once we get the full scope of what happens on that day, right? And the fact that he, like you said, survives that that moment, he he does seem like he has adopted this idea that he is invincible. Like he is the special one mm -hmm. that the scary creature won't hurt. You know, he is safe. He is okay. As long as he is himself and plays by the rules that he thinks are in his head, he's okay. And that's, that's how I really felt when I first watched the movie. Since then, I really have felt like Jupe is a really broken character mm -hmm. where I think what we may see on the surface as hubris is really just his response to the trauma of his past. I feel like it's most prevalent in the scene when he is, uh, when M asked him about, okay, what really happened on that day? Because this whole movie is a, it's a commentary on a lot, but one of the things it does talk about is the film industry and what happens with that. And um, Jupe is our, is our kid star character who there have been so many examples in Hollywood of kid stars going crazy or like just different things that they've had to deal with coming up. And we have this character who he does a movie, he does like this Western thing, he does Kid Sheriff, which allows him to in the future create this 
um, area that he can make money off of. But then he also had this very traumatic experience with Gordy and he watched his coworkers get beaten to near death. And he got to see all of this violence, all of this fear, all of this terror as a child. And I felt like when he was telling that story, retelling the story, it almost feels like he's wearing a mask. Yeah. Because he even uses the like SNL parody to describe the situation versus talk, talking about it himself, which I think is huge. Yeah. I think the fact that he can't even find the words to talk about what happened that day, he has to use some parallel incident to describe it, shows how much he's truly affected by it. But he kind of just... He, he puts it all down. He, he swallows it all. Um, he bottles it up. And I think in, in, I think instead of exploring this trauma and trying to maybe um, find some sort of closure or something like that, instead, he just keeps pushing forward the only way he knows how to, mm-hmm. um, which is to be this image that people see of him. People see him as the kid from Kid Sheriff. People see him as the kid from from Gordy's home. Like these are the perceptions that people have put on him. And I think he just realized somewhere along the way that, well, if people see me as this and this makes me money and this gives me a lifestyle so I can provide for my family and for my kids. OK, sure. And I think that is a reflection of a lot of people's journeys within Hollywood. And I, I think a lot of people we've seen throughout history go down that route where it's just you are what society's perception of you is. And rather than fight against that, you just go with it. Mm. And that informs who you end up being in your later life. Um, and yeah. that, that, that's really what I got from that character after a little bit of analysis. I'm like, he's doing some stupid choices. Like, I don't agree with some of the things that he does, but I do see a bit of a haunted character with him. Yeah, he's definitely, that's what I thought. Like, he's stuffed it down so much that I think he's compartmentalized the trauma. And so the way that he deals with it is by saying, I survived because I am special or different. Or, you know, there's something about, why did I, a lot of people do that. Why did I survive and nobody else? And so maybe Mm -hmm. the way that he has dealt with that is to say that because I am X, Y, and Z, is mm-hmm. why I survived. And so, yeah, now in the present day, it's like you can I, I think he's just decided I was there and a lot of people are interested in that. And so maybe the best way for me to deal with that is to make this a highlight of my career in the sense of a lot of people are going to want to know what happened. And I'm the only one who can tell them what happened. Exactly. So like, why wouldn't I? Why not? Getting, get something from that. And I also think it's just interesting that he even calls it like the viewers mm-hmm. because that's what you call people who watch TV shows. They're called viewers. Yeah. And I feel like for him as a character, he has spent the majority of his life probably being watched and being spectated and and kind of curating his life around fans and viewers and people seeing how him seeing things how he would like for them to be seen because even in this situation he wants it to be seen as like i am the man who tamed this right i am the one who brought this but i think what's another point too about that whole situation is that he mentions that since that has happened 
Gordy has kind of become this phenom. There's a whole group of people who are fairly obsessed with it. Right. And who kind of almost seem like they are ce- not celebratory of the situation, but like that. It, this happens a lot in real life, too, where you almost forget that that's a real thing and there were real victims within the situation. Right. And you almost just kind of take that and almost forget that that was real Mm -hmm. it almost becomes another moment in pop culture and because people get so removed from it they act like it was just this event for entertainment Mm -hmm. and not a moment in people's lives yeah and it's just interesting how i think that that also probably affects a lot of the ways that he has grown with this situation because he seems it seems like he thinks oh i need to embrace that people enjoy the lore and the mystery behind that situation because people are infatuated and drawn to things like that these crazy events that have happened in time Mm -hmm. and i feel like he feels like he needs to embrace that because he even says that after finding out that people now are obsessed with what happened then, that's when he made the room and started charging people for it. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just thought that that was an interesting look at how people can take these traumatic incidents that happen to other people and become so and put it into a lens of, oh, that's entertaining to me Mm -hmm. or like that's exciting to me and i feel like ricky as a result has become this figure of that and has he's it's like he can't he feels like he no longer was a part of that like instead now he's he's like the mascot of it almost yeah it dictates his entire life and yeah it's it's just very representative of what i think happens far too often um, in a lot of yeah. situations where um, negative or positive, uh, whoever is the most known figure of something, especially in pop cult in pop culture or movies, television, what have you, they they do become the mascot of that situation of that moment. And mm-hmm. a lot of times it's difficult for other people to see them as anything else. And then I think it then in turn becomes difficult for that person to see themselves as anything but the person attached to whatever that thing is in the situation, Gordy, you know? Mm -hmm. It kind of reminds me of Harambe, like all of the, Mm -hmm. the like pop culture craze that came up from that for like a couple months and then it kind of just fell to the wayside. It almost feels like this would be a similar situation as it, gets a lot of buzz yeah and then and i wonder if that's why he feels like he needs another thing Mm -hmm. to because this is not going to last forever people aren't going to be obsessed with gordy again forever right so i feel like he if he also feels like i need another thing i also think too that the way that he has processed this situation has also and the way that he's repressed and reimagined it to to deal with it better has also caused it so that he hasn't really learned from it in a sense because he's doing it's it's cyclical he's doing the same thing again he's taking a a a thing that is not meant to be 
in this space not meant to be tamed and he's trying to capitalize off of it make a show off of it in the same way that they did with Gordy. Gordy's not meant to be an actor. He wasn't meant to be on set. He wasn't meant to be performing tricks and shit. And that's what they did to him. And it resulted in a horrible incident. And now this is a chance for Jupe to not do the same thing. However, we see that that's not the case. He has decided to take something he knows nothing about, has decided that he has figured out the way to break it in, and, and control it and has made a show out of it. And we, of course, see the repercussions of that. It's the same exact thing that happened with Gordy, now happening with the viewers. And then that also leads us into our last, I guess you could say, mainish character who is Antlers, mm-hmm. who also kind of leads into another thought that I, that this movie deals with, which is like the Hollywood theme. Right. Um, Antlers was probably it's not that I didn't like his character because I did like his character. Mm-hmm. However, I think his arc is my least favorite. Yeah. I, agree I, with that. I don't love his ending. I just felt like it didn't really feel true to me. Yeah. That was it that was like one of the forced. few moments, one of the few moments in this movie where I sat there and I thought, that doesn't seem right. It just felt really forced. And it's a bummer because I liked him. I I was excited for them to bring him in. Yeah. I thought he was like a good addition to the group. And I actually liked the time within the movie that they bring him in. Because yeah. although we have conversations with him throughout, he doesn't really become a part of it until the final battle in the end. Mm-hmm. And I liked that. I was like, I think that's cool that he's kind of jumping in at the very last minute. And they kind of allude, you know, he they keep he's he's one of those filmmaker or cinematographers where he's known for getting the impossible shots. And he also makes this comment about how chasing the impossible is can lead to like it, it's it's too much it's a huge risk like yeah it's more than sometimes you're biting off more than you could chew and you have to ask yourself is it worth it is kind of what he's alluding to i get that but i don't i don't get it i don't understand why my <laughs> mans did this because i can see how maybe he was it all happened and maybe it was overwhelming and maybe mm-hmm. it was like nobody should see this. But then at the same time, I want to get that truly impossible shot. So I'm just going to film and film and film. But it just felt kind of like it was there just because they needed somebody to die in that moment. Mm-hmm. I just don't I didn't see the build up to that. It didn't seem like he would make that decision in that moment. And like, I get it. They show that he is obsessive about his work. Every time that we see him when he is at his house, he's re-watching footage that he shot. And it's these images that obviously were very, very hard to get. Probably once in a lifetime kinds of shots. His impossible shots. And so we do see that he is obsessive about that and that he kind of relishes in the work and the things that he has been able to do. But it still just doesn't translate for me. It still just feels like 
something that the script needed to happen to move the plot forward rather than something that needed to happen within the character's journey. Because I still don't believe that he would do that. Yes, I'm sure he has put his life on the line for these shots before, but this is not a life on the line type of situation. This is like, for sure you're dead. So I still just don't get it. I don't see it. Yeah, it it his death felt a little bit like a plot device in a way to like move us into the the grand climax finale. Yeah. Um and it was strange because I don't necessarily mind that the character died and I actually don't mind as much that he died in the fashion that he did. I just felt like it was a bit of a retread of the situation that we had with the TMZ reporter mm-hmm. where someone's infatuation with getting the information, getting that shot, this idea that the artist is willing to die for the sake of their art. Um, I'm, I'm with that. And I totally think that that does fall in line with what's being said in this movie. But yeah. I feel like we already got that with the TMZ character. Right. Um, and so having that moment happen in such quick succession to the TMZ moment, I think is what was off-putting for me. Because we just witnessed what happens to a character when they bite off to more than they can chew. Mm-hmm. Like, they get scooped up and they're dead. Like, that that's right. what happens. And so this idea that he would then take his equipment and then go for this impossible shot when, in actuality, he this character probably knows that they're going to die. Like, what's the point? Like, we're not right. going to get to see that footage. Like, that... That impossible shot won't mean anything because no one will see the impossible shot, which if that's the idea you're going for, okay, but it just felt it felt strange within the pacing of of the finale for me. It was muddled because, yeah, I just didn't I didn't fully get his motivation if it Mm would have like if it would have built up a bit more and maybe maybe if he had been like, damn it, I didn't really get a good yeah. shot because some he was other, getting some, some other banger catalyst. shots he was getting yeah. fucking that shit looked great he was getting all he got the <laughs> zooms he got the up and down the pants he got mm-hmm. the mouth he got it all and so i'm like damn this man's killing it and so i guess he was like i need the you know the in real shot of it attacking or whatever but yeah it just felt muddled and so it felt it kind of it took me when that happened i'm not gonna lie it took me out of it for a minute because the that kind of set off this chain reaction of we had already learned not to look at it and then mm-hmm. that happened and then all of a sudden everybody was looking at it and i was like i know that's why we needed that to happen because we needed a reason for everybody to look up mm-hmm. and kind of be disheveled and stuff but i just thought it was a bit strange. It just didn't really make sense to me because I was like, two min- two an hour ago, you were saying you didn't want to give up your life for the impossible shot, for the perfect shot. Mm-hmm. And now you're being slurped up by your own accord, <laughs> by your own accord. So that was the only that was the only moment in this movie where I was like, that didn't feel that just didn't ring true to me for what I had seen prior from this mm-hmm. character. Yeah, I, I agreed there. And 
that being said, I am still with you. I liked the character and the characterization. Mm -hmm. And I do think, again, this is another character that added a dynamic to our final group that was welcome. Um, that is just that particular moment was it was a little strange in comparison to the other great moments that we had throughout. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. But so he's so, yeah, we first meet him on the set of a commercial, mm -hmm. which the OJ is both OJ and Am are supposed to be the animal handlers there. They brought their horse to film it. And I like that this like I love this whole scene. It's so uncomfortable and it's mm -hmm. so stressful, <laughs> but I like because I do think that a huge idea within this film is animals being used to our enjoyment and kind of how we wild animals, we put them in these situations where we just kind of are doing whatever and just assuming that because we've broke quote unquote broken them in or because we've trained them that they will always listen to us and do mm -hmm. exactly as we want them to and in this whole scene it's like nobody that's what i mean oj cares about this what he cares about is the horse's safety and making sure right. that the horse is okay nobody gives a fuck nobody's listening to him they're like shining things in the horse's face yeah. standing super close and then are shocked <laughs> when it goes wrong, when the horse gets agitated, despite the fact that they've told them a couple of times now to avoid certain things. And then those people immediately do it because what's important is the shot and the scene and time is money. And they're trying to do this thing and they need the animal to cooperate how they want it to cooperate. Mm -hmm. But I just love how it's like that goes wrong. And then in the next shot, you see them bringing in like a green screen horse. A green screen horse, <laughs> yeah, right? Behind them. <laughs> They're like, we'll fix it in post, yeah. literally. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's a great scene. And what a great sequence to like kind of show a little bit of a peek into kind of the behind the scenes of like commercial shooting and like what mm -hmm. it's like on a stage because that that hectic energy is always there like any yeah. nearly any set that you're ever on will have that especially if they're behind on time or stuff like that like everyone's moving quick everyone wants things to happen immediately mm -hmm. and a lot of times like you have you just have to keep things going and it's less about being comfortable and more about getting the job done mm -hmm. and the issue with that, especially when you get into the realm of like using trained animals is the fact that although they are trained, they are still animals with free will. Yeah. Um, they are wild creatures that uh, if you come at them the wrong way, you may take a buck kick into your chest. Like yeah. you need to understand these things. And I think that ties in very well to this idea that um, through listening to a couple interviews with the director, um, this idea of spectacle, right? Um, Hollywood is built on this, uh, you know, TV, every, like most entertainment is built, built on this idea of spectacle. And we as a society enjoy spectacle. We love spectacle. We love seeing things that are big, grandiose, and we want to make things bigger, louder and better. And I think oftentimes we forget that there is sometimes consequence that comes with spectacle and i think animals within animals within hollywood is one example of how like we have these tools 
to create this grander spectacle, but at what cost, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, what does that mean? Like what, what has to be given up or what might happen if we, um, if we aim too high or if we try and go for something that we shouldn't be going for. Um, right. similar to how Jupe's character was going for this grandiose show, the biggest show anyone's ever seen. Most likely he's right about that, but it cost everyone their mm -hmm. lives, you know? Yeah. It's like this question of, is it worth it? Mm -hmm. Is what you're trying to do right now worth your life if things go wrong? And I think especially in this day and age now, sometimes people say, yeah, it is because it's they the um potential of infamy or the potential to get virality is much more important or seems much more important in that moment because you say if i can get away with this mm -hmm. the benefits of that kind of outweigh that small nagging thing in your head that says but if it goes wrong because you just don't think it's going to go wrong. And I think especially too, yeah, with having animals on sets, people just think it it's fine. It's fine. We'll get the shot. It's fine because they're trained. But mm -hmm. at the end of the day, you're it's still a wild animal who has who should have its own free will and there are always going to be aspects that you cannot control which is what happens with the gordy incident is that mm -hmm. a balloon pops and that's what sets gordy off and like at the end of the day this was an animal that you guys decided to dress up in a suit and sing happy birthday to on some sitcom and you know train and do what have you and then just assume that everything was going to be okay and now that this animal is acting within its nature mm -hmm. that is you know that that animal is going to now die as a result of this when in the in the grand scheme of things you don't have to even do this at all you don't have to have yeah. a show about a chimpanzee who lives mm -hmm. with the family and like it's this and now it's this thing where people are so obsessed with this incident that occurred and this incident this idea that oh gordy lost it no mm -hmm. Gordy didn't lose it. Gordy was being a wild animal. Like it was being itself. It's just so unfortunate that the that there were people around who, you know, didn't have anything to do with it. Like Mary Jo. Mary Jo. Okay. Like Mary Jo, who was just a kid, who was just an actor. And then, you know, the other actors who were just there doing their jobs. And they had to pay for that. Mm -hmm. But... It's, yeah, it's this idea of are you so bent, hell-bent on potentially getting a success story out of this that you are willing to risk your life? And mm -hmm. and I think for a lot of the characters in this movie, they say, yeah, I'm, I'm willing to do so because we even have to, you know, M and OJ, although they are protagonists. Yeah, are, they still fall within this culture yeah, of spectacle, 100%. They, they need money. That's what it boils down to. They need money and they know that they will get money if they can successfully get a shot of this creature in the sky, this UFO, whatever it may be for them. And we see multiple times throughout the movie that M says, you know, this is too much. This mm -hmm. is way more than we were expecting. But then at that point, they have keep getting so close 
that for OJ, it's like, let's just do it. And and for them, the are the benefits of what could happen have far outweigh the cons. And so mm-hmm. that's why they continue even until the last second, even when everything has gone wrong, continue to try and get that shot. Yeah, because the shot means everything. The shot makes it mm-hmm. worth it. Everything that you've dealt with, everything that you've suffered through, it's all worth it if you can get that shot. And mm-hmm. I think that's the idea that honestly a lot of Hollywood is built on. And it's a, it's a dangerous way to operate, but it's one that I think we've become accustomed to and has led to some amazing um, examples of grand spectacle. But it's it's almost like it's a cautionary tale, you know, mm-hmm. of like the things that can go wrong. Um, I think it's a very poignant idea to explore throughout a lot of this. And I will say personally, I think... Um, Although there are a lot of themes and ideas that are being thrown around right now, theory crafting for this movie and like what it's like really about and like what's an or like people hyper analyzing it. I do think at the end of the day, this movie is um, one that is first and foremost an enjoyable ride. Like it's really fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't necessarily think it dives as deeply into some of these themes as like, you know, Get Out or Us may do. But I do think that they're definitely there and they're they're explored. Mm-hmm. It is just fun to see all the different theories and stuff that people are coming up with as to, as to like what certain things mean or what certain characters represent. Um, there was one thing in the movie that still has me be- bewildered and I still just can't wrap my mind around it. And it's the shoe. Our, the, mm-hmm. the first scene where we get that shoe that's just... Um, it's upright in just a way that no shoe should ever be mm-hmm. placed with that single drop of blood on it. It just, it feels so like surrealist in a way. And I just don't understand the shoe. I don't know if you got anything from it. Well, so I, and this, so what I thought from it is, mm-hmm. is cause I like, Early, I think it's before that that they have that discussion about like bad miracles and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so, not to say that that's what that is, but I don't know. I know that it's weird. Like it's very weird that the shoe is just like standing upright like that. And maybe it is like a bad omen or something weird, super like bad miracle, or whatever. But to me, it just felt like more of in the shuffle and everything that's happened somehow the shoe found a way to balance which can happen weird things can find weird ways to balance and shit Mm -hmm. and that it was more so felt like almost like a a weird thing that in any other circumstance would be like oh wow that's crazy like what are the odds of that happening but then this horrible thing is happening around it. Like it almost just felt more like for him, it was just this weird thing to focus on and Mm. this weird random thing that despite all the crazy shit that's going on, it was like, that's what, like, that's just something strange. And so that's, I don't know if that's what it is. Like it probably means something more, but to me, it just almost felt like a weird moment 
in time that in any other circumstance you would be like oh my god that's so crazy but now in this moment almost just felt like a bad omen and just why is that happening and Mm -hmm. why is it happening now yeah no i I honestly actually really like that interpretation and there is a part of me that kind of hopes that like jordan peele and the rest of the production just like had that idea and thought you know it'd be a really cool shot (laughs) <laughs> Let's just put the shoe standing upright. Mm-hmm. But then because it's a Jordan Peele film, we're sitting here analyzing what a shoe means yeah. like by itself. And I, I think that is one of the fun uh, or that is some of the fun of going to see his films is like hyper analyzing everything, mm-hmm. even though majority of it is meticulously planned out. But I think every once in a while, there's probably something that's just thrown in there for fun. That's just there. Yeah. But that and it's kind of like you take what you want from it, from you know? It, yeah. And that just felt because and I also think, too, it just makes sense, too, because the way it's standing up is exactly how it's placed how you would, in how you would place it if it was on display. Mm-hmm. And so for me, yeah, it just really felt like it was just something that Jupe kind of fixates on and then just because it's like in any other situation why would you want to have a shoe in Mm -hmm. that in that big display room you wouldn't Mm -hmm. think to do that but it almost feels like it's something that he fixates on in that moment and it's almost like that memory for him kind of like how m m has her memory it's almost like a memory for him that he fixated on and now it's like always going to be memorialized but i don't know if anybody else would have noticed it besides him because he's just sitting there trapped staring yeah. at it it's almost like uh it feels like it kind of like anchors him yeah. to that memory yeah. um because like now saying it out loud i'm almost like maybe it wasn't standing up like that um in oh, the moment he just or imagined like, it that that's just because of the way that its place in his display that is the catalyst to the memory and so that's why he's seeing it that way again only a jordan peele movie would make you analyze a goddamn (laughs) shoe but you gotta love him for it yeah but you i mean you do have to wonder because that memory those memories we get you from him Mm -hmm. he is remembering those moments and so you do have to wonder like how is this an accurate memory or mm-hmm. are these the things that just stood out to you right in that moment because you were a kid going through a traumatic experience was gordy coming over to was had gordy snapped out of his situation and was really kind of had you know gone back to his training and was really gonna fist bump you mm-hmm. or do you remember it that way because he got killed in front of you do you remember him coming over to you and being nice or was he coming over still fairly aggressive? It's like, mm-hmm. you have to wonder if what we're seeing is accurate, a reliable narrator, or mm-hmm. if we are getting his memories the way that he wants to remember them, or the way that he ha- time has caused him to remember them. Yeah, either or. Very, very great visual. <laughs> yeah. um, amazing sequence. The scene, the scene itself, once you get the full Gordy scene, is quite oh haunting. And he does give poor Mary Jo the hands, truly. Oh, my God. Yeah, that is, like, oh, it's horrifying. (laughs) Because you can, like, hear her, like, 
grunting and screaming mm-hmm. and and i'm like why did it take so long for people where was the trainer where's the handler <laughs> like why did it take so long for people the whole fucking audience has left the building yeah and so and they've just left the cast alone on stage nobody has stayed to try and help them because really it's just the cast that gets hurt yeah. it's her and then the actor who plays the dad dies mm-hmm. She is severely injured and left disfigured from it. And then uh, Ricky is, he's the only one who's left, who's still there that ends up being left unharmed. Yeah. It's not psychologically, though. He was messed up, but physically. <laughs> yeah, he was, yeah, physically he was all right, but his yeah. brain, uh, it went through some things. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but kind of moving on from themes real quick, we're, we're, we're a little bit deep into it now. Any particular like favorite moments from the film that like stuck out stuck out to you that you're like, damn, that was really good or like anything yeah. of that regard? So first, okay, so I really like the sequence with the fake aliens where his kids, Ricky's kids, come to prank OJ. Mm-hmm. Although it ends up being fake, that's a great horror sequence. Yeah. I love the way that that unfolds. I think it's just great. And I also think that OJ's reaction to it is very realistic. But my favorite sequence, and the one that I will probably remember the most, is everything from the show Mm -hmm. to them driving to Angel's apartment. Same, same. That entire sequence. sequence. Jesus Christ. In my opinion, that shit was legendary. That was Mm -hmm. so good. It's so good. It's. It's terrifying. It's because this, so this is the moment where I was, after this situation, I was the most on board with this movie because I am terrified. Yes, I was, I was like, when it was a UFO, not to say I wasn't interested, I was, but I was more scared when I found out the truth than when mm-hmm. I thought it was a UFO. When I found out that it was like a creature, an animal up in the sky, just acting on its animal instinct and eating people and eating things, that scared the shit out of me yes. more than when I thought it was like a group of aliens up in a UFO. Because I have this thing, I have this thing about creature movies and the way that people get killed in them always sticks with me. I think I've mentioned it before, the blob gets to me every time the um even with i think i talked about it in our grabbers episode like i mentioned some knowing how people get eaten by creatures and stuff really gives me the Mm heebie-jeebies and seeing these people be sucked up and like going inside of the creature and like watching them just basically have to wait in line as they're like being swallowed and like the muffling, the screams, mm-hmm. the movement, everything about me made me made me feel sick. Like I was <laughs> like, ah, because at that point, it's you still don't quite know what's going on. Yeah. But you find out this is also around the time that OJ figures it out. I don't know how he does. (laughs) He does. Mm -hmm. But he figures out that it is because they kind of question if it is actually a spaceship or not. This is when he says, no, this is uh, an animal and it is eating because they 
discover that Jupe had been basically he had been he had discovered it mm-hmm. and he had been feeding it. He had been buying their horses specifically to feed. So he had kind of made this area its feeding ground. Yeah. Unknowingly, he had made this area a place where it would want to come back because it knew it would get food. Yeah. And, and so, that, it makes a lot of sense why, because, you know, it gets revealed that it was h- hiding, quote mm-hmm. unquote, in this cloud the whole time. And once you get that information, it makes so much sense as to why it wouldn't move on to other places because right. it had a steady food supply here. Yeah. Because Duke made it a pet. And so. And I and and I like too because earlier on you get this scene where you can hear him talk. You can hear Jupe talking, mm-hmm. like where at his at his in his little arena that he does the show. You can hear him practicing mm-hmm. the show, and so and earlier it doesn't make sense, but later on you realize that when he had discovered that he kind of knew its timing and that it liked eating horses and he kind of figured it all out, he started to practice this because he knew he was going to make it into a big show. Mm-hmm. And so first of all, that's disturbing, A, because all of the people that are there, they didn't know what they were coming there for. No idea. They just ca- he literally advertised it as like the family fun hoedown or some shit like that. Like <laughs> basically, it was like invite your kids. It's gonna be fun. And so these families come and they all die. Mary Jo, poor girl, has been just fucking terrorized her entire life and then gets sucked up into an alien creature. I was mm-hmm. like, dang, you hate to see that. But <laughs> so from that moment on, and then the the creature gets sick throws up all over their house with m and angel stuck inside Mm -hmm. and then oj cannot get inside of the house like that whole sequence was so tense like i was just stressed out because you can see it moving through the clouds and i think that's also the first time that you really get like a good look when he looks outside of the car and looks up. That's the first time you really get like a really good look at the way that it's sucking up. Like, yeah, people up. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Great, great verbiage. Um, You know, (laughs) you know how it is. But I mean, this is one of those moments where seeing it in IMAX, I think really helped, especially for the house scene and like seeing the full scope of the creature for the first time. Mm. Um, For me, I mean, the raining blood, fucking fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like that was that was the shining elevator to me. Like <laughs> it, it was it was so good, so grotesque, so disturbing. And it was built up so well mm-hmm. that when that moment happened, there was just such a visceral release of just like terror, fear, horror, like all of it just mixed together was just like you could feel that wash over the entire audience Mm -hmm. and the viewing i was at and i was like this is this is a fucking moment right here but it was really the the sound design that i think sold it for me is was the silence because Mm -hmm. you heard all the muffled screaming you saw them inside the creature you knew to an extent what was about to happen but then all of the screaming and shouting just stops And then it just rains fucking blood. And that is just, you don't need anything more than that to know what just happened. 
And that idea was just so horrifying that I feel like that scene is just going to live in my brain forever. Yeah. It literally gives me chills. Just thinking about those people. I like cannot stop thinking about it. Those people just stuck in this thing's esophagus mm-hmm. and being swallowed like gives me chills. I just <laughs> seeing people get devoured slowly by something makes just gives me the heebie-jeebies but um also this is where we realize why random shit gets tossed out of the sky because it's things that this creature cannot digest it's Mm -hmm. extra stuff that they may have sucked up with with their food and they're basically spitting it back out and so i think one of one of the most tense moments that i really really loved is after kind of the rain and everything has passed and the music that starts back up in Angel's car, but it's still mm-hmm. distorted because of the interference. Wait, what was what was the song again? It's like I something oh, at night. I wear my, my sunglasses at night. night. Great, um, great music choice. Yeah. That was that was well done. But it's super distorted, and Angel and M are trying to run to the car, and this is when OJ really tests the theory of. If you don't, he remembers that he had he had mentioned earlier that you don't look the horse in the eyes because it agitates it. And he remembers that and he tries it out. And this is when they realize that you don't want to look it in its eyes and then mm-hmm. it won't it get aggressive with you and, and attack you. Uh, I, one more thing about that sequence that we can kind of like, I think, talk about the end and then mm-hmm. bounce is I do like the setup of. We, throughout the movie, get a lot of instances of OJ talking about how he needs to get back and feed Lucky and, like, just talking about feeding the horses in general. And when you realize that this is basically what Jupe is doing with our aerial creature, he's, like, giving him regular feedings, I do... It's just one of those instances where I appreciate the setup, um, even if it's not very in-your-face, but this idea that he's, like, a lot of OJ's day revolves around the fact that he has this responsibility to feed this animal or Mm -hmm. these animals. And the one instance where um, it's feeding time for our UFO creature and Lucky, which, great, you know, it's a little on the nose, but I love the fact that Lucky is the luckiest horse and makes it, you know. I Yeah. it, It was cute. Sometimes I wouldn't like that, but for this particular movie, I was really cool with it. But yeah. I think that sequence of Lucky will not leave to be the regular feeding and it is feeding time. So the creature just decides, Mm -hmm. well, if I can't have the horse, I'm going to have everything else here. And everybody's Um, staring at it. And everybody's staring at it. So I really like the setup for that. And I think that the payoff with the raining blood scene is very, very nice. And I just, I think I appreciate the different things that got sprinkled in along the way that I think on a second viewing, I think most of us will catch a lot of foreshadowing and and hints and clues as to what's going to happen that we just mm-hmm. didn't realize that first time through. Right. Well, and also, too, it's this idea of Jupe in his mind. He has it's once again kind of goes back to the animal breaking and training and and thinking, oh, I've got it all figured out. Nothing this animal can do could could surprise me. And Jupe really f- has that sense. He mm-hmm. he says in an hour it's going to be feeding time. But 
it comes early and it really throws him off. But it's like, why do you get to say when feeding time is? If it's right. hungry, it's hungry. It's hungry. It knows where to go because this is where you feed it. But you assumed that it would come on your time. But you mm-hmm. already have the food. You have a fucking buffet. And you <laughs> think it was going to wait. That's the thing. Is It's like another instance of you think that you have made this animal docile. You have created yeah. a routine. You think Jean Jacket is Gordy. but Yeah. Baby, you it is Gordy. Other, you it is forget Gordy. the other side yeah. of Gordy. <laughs> yeah, it's like you you can't. You, you there there's no way you can. And so yeah, that was his his mistake was thinking that he had it under some type of control when mm-hmm. it was kind of playing you the whole time, my guy. Truly. And now moving in now we've got the reveal. We've we talked about the characters and everything. Um, one last thing I really want to touch on along with the ending was the overall monster design, because mm-hmm. this, this, I do think is a very unique take on the UFO idea, um, which is very in line with Peel's style of like subverting things that we're used to. Uh, how did you feel with our overall creature? Because I've, I've heard both sides. I've heard some people have really enjoyed the design of the UFO creature and some people, it wasn't their thing. Um, where do you think you fall? So I liked it in the beginning. It kind of reminded me of a sand dollar <laughs> mm, <laughs> then, mm-hmm. and just the way that it looked in shaping wise. I liked that it had that old old school look and feel to it, particularly in like the movements. I think having it be circular for the majority of time was the best thing that they could have done because it really gives it this ability to cloak and move very quickly. And I think there's an element that is kind of scary to all of us in the sense of seeing something and thinking, was that a plane or like yeah. seeing well, something well, out of the corner of your eye and questioning yourself of like, no, I know I didn't see. No, I know that <laughs> couldn't have been. And so I like that it's more of a traditional kind of circular choppy but quick moving design because it really does play into the idea of like oh yeah that definitely could be a ufo the more Mm -hmm. classic idea of what a ufo looks like and then towards the end as the creature gets more antagonized and hurt and angry it opens up and I do like, I like this because it reminds me of a jellyfish. And mm, I don't remember mm-hmm. what I was thinking or what I, I, maybe it was just a conversation Anthony and I had and he had seen it. But basically there was like some video or something where someone was talking about aliens and how aliens and sea creatures, how like similar they could possibly be. Yeah, and how, I feel that. Yeah, and how the design, because like if you think about it, the deep sea is a lot like space and how mm-hmm. the designs of creatures in the ocean may potentially be what an alien would look like if it existed. And mm-hmm. so I think that having it be like a sea creature-esque looking monster was really cool. I think by having it be a jellyfish it gave it a lot of dynamic movement it was able to spread across the Mm -hmm. sky and so you could have these moments where you were looking at it from really far away and still see its movement really easily it had Mm -hmm. like wistfulness to it but it also had this it also had this feeling of like you didn't really know what it could do when it got to that 
when it evolved, when it did its like yeah. Digimon evolution, you didn't really know <laughs> what it could do. Mm-hmm. I didn't love like when it um when it was in that full jellyfish phase. I didn't mm-hmm. love the way that its mouth kind of yeah. opened up and shot out. It didn't was, it love was off- that. Okay, so after taking some time away and reassessing this ending bit, I realize now that that extension is probably its eye, which makes sense. The pulsating and the way that it kind of folds in on itself reminds me of a blinking mechanism that it probably has. I don't think it's wild to think that its eye and its mouth are connected, and so its eye kind of comes out through that same sort of an opening. And it also makes sense that because it has perceived these people as a threat, it's kind of trying to keep a closer eye on them during this standoff rather than straight up attack them. So if that is the case and that is the creature's eye, I do like that more for the design it bumps it up for me however my critique still stands that i preferred it before that came out i still think that the image of it without that extension for me is better than once it comes out because it just took me out of it a little bit yes the eye makes more sense still not my favorite thing it was off-putting. It was very off-putting. And that was the one part of the design that I wasn't like 100% on. Because I agree with you. I love the rest. I think that it was a unique take. And I love that it had a little bit of, like you said, like marine influence to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was a great direction to go. Um, the mouth, it was just strange to me. And like the way that it operated was strange. I have now adopted the idea that that's kind of the point as like i think for that kind of creature most of us would just assume it have like some sort of a teethy like octopus style like beak or something in there where it did but it was definitely alien definitely different and i think that's kind of the point is for it to not be something that our eyes are accustomed to seeing like i think it needed to be something different And I think that's just the hard thing to wrap our brains around because it's like this is this is a an image for uh, a mouth, a functioning mouth that I don't think any of us have ever seen before. So like it took some processing. I yeah, I just I don't know. I just kind of wish it stayed a hole because I Mm. didn't love that it was green. And it it reminded me of a parachute. Every time I looked at it, I was like, (laughs) my man's he jumping down it just yeah and i and i and i will say i give it up to them for doing something different and doing something that is strange and and otherworldly but i think because it was so wispy mm-hmm. at that moment that i just could not i i could not think of anything but a parachute saying it yeah. and so that was the only thing that distracted me cuz i loved when it was 
the hole and it just sucked things up. Yeah, especially and- the shots where like it would zoom up and then it'd mm-hmm. be like just the entire background and all you would see is just the hole and yeah. just kind of the darkness in there. It's a little bit of like the darkness of the unknown. Like you don't know what happens when you go in there. Right. You can tell that it looks, it, it's like, it looks like a bouncy house kind of inside. Like you can tell mm-hmm. that it, you'd be bouncing up and <laughs> and up in there. But it just, I think it, I loved so much of the design and I loved before it did that. Like when it was just opening on each side and it was going mm-hmm. back and forth, I thought it was going to be that. I thought, oh, it's just going to have these openings. So yeah. when that got stuck out, I felt like I had the same look on my face that OJ did. I said, girl, Ooh. what? <laughs> <laughs> what is that? What is that? <laughs> yeah, I, I did really enjoy, though, that the creature did its form did shift yeah especially in that last act a couple of times i like that it wasn't just here it is in one version and then here's its final form like Mm -hmm. i like that it was very much uh, a malleable creature that could kind of switch its appearance to um aid in whatever it needed to and i think that that lends more to the idea that this is a creature that we don't understand mm-hmm. and so for that again love the creativity there um love what they did with that mm-hmm. but now the the climax which as far as my theater goes we all loved i think everybody in my theater cheered and clapped when we finally got the oprah shot and like you said earlier in this review i think we were all happy that it was m mm-hmm. who was the one that did it um but did the ending work for you yeah i liked the ending she got a great shot i that's why I, I love that that well photo thing came back because it feels like such a throwaway moment earlier on mm-hmm. and i like that it kind of went away it went back to jupiter's claim mm-hmm. because that was such a great set and i was happy that we kind of got to revisit there again mm-hmm. so which also jumping really quickly i did see this and i thought that this was really really cool um but for anybody who doesn't know jupiter's claim is now has a permanent fixture in mm. the universal lot which oh. to me is incredible like i haven't been to the universe in a while but that now knowing that i can go on the studio tour mm-hmm. and see jupiter's claim to me is just like that's oh, mind-blowing that's cool mm-hmm Oh, yeah. No, it's a great set. I really liked it. So I was really excited that they went back to it. But yeah, I like the ending. I like that M finally gets to ride on a motorcycle because she had mentioned that before. Mm -hmm. And that we kind of go off on this other, the uh, go and follow her for the ending bit. I'm glad that Angel survived. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm glad that obviously I'm glad all three of them survived. Yeah. Now I have, uh, sorry to interrupt again, but I have heard some theories from people that OJ didn't actually survive and that it was a hallucination. Do you agree with that? Or do you think that he made it? Come on, y'all. No, (laughs) he's alive. He's there. He's alive. It's yeah, he's fine. Cause I'm like, when would he have died? It, it followed her right away. And so I get and I just don't know why he and when he would have died. I just feel like if if that was the case, I feel like that is almost cheap. If that's the case of mm-hmm. it's like, oh, it's a hallucination. No, I think they both survived. I think he probably just rode up after her and was like, oh, shit, she did it. And was just <laughs> chilling there because what is he going to do? Mm-hmm. 
but nah, I I definitely think he's alive. I think okay. all three I'll, of honestly, them survived. Say, and even even if that's not what it, what's intended for my viewing, I'm going to assume that he's alive because it makes the ending work better for me mm-hmm. and. It's my viewing, so I'm yeah. going to choose to have It that. makes the most sense. And I just feel like for a character as important as OJ, we would have seen his death. It wouldn't mm-hmm. have just been like, oh, yeah, he died off screen. Yeah. Like, excuse me? No, <laughs> we don't do these off screen deaths. Not for important characters like that. So, um, yeah, I liked it. I loved this whole ending. I liked the wavy inflatable idea. I like the whole way that they planned out this. I this whole execution of their plan. I mm-hmm. thought it was it was really cool to watch it unfold because we only really get told maybe like half the plan and then we get to kind of see the rest of it go as as they have it. Mm-hmm. Um my only thing is that it just like a, and this is kind of goes off of what I said earlier. It just feels like at times it they are trying to find reasons for them to look rather than organic reasons. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that was my only thing is I just didn't quite understand maybe with Angel because he was up there when it happened. But with M, for instance, I didn't understand why she was looking for so long Mm -hmm. up at it where she because she was like all the way over by the house and Mm -hmm. she was looking for looking at it for a while. And I didn't quite understand why she was doing that. But it's not that big like it's that to me is not as big of a deal as like the whole antler situation because i'm like i'd rather them look at it and stuff happen than them not look at it and everything goes be all sweet so Mm -hmm. but yeah everything other than that though the plan i liked the way that they took the monster down i liked Mm -hmm. i even liked the thing with the tmz photographer like i liked i liked that as well yeah nice yeah I, i i agree with you i think the i think the ending was definitely a win for me i yeah i think only the antler situation is the one thing that didn't just uh knock it out of the park for me and again i think that is just a pacing issue where Mm -hmm. i think once the plan got started i was along for the ride and i didn't really want any stops and i feel like the antler situation put like a little hiccup in there before Mm -hmm. we got to the last like improvised bit of the plan i think when that moment happened i just wanted the action to continue the way that it had been continuing and so that threw me off a little bit but Mm -hmm. outside outside of that i think uh knocked it out of the park with that and um i don't know i left the movie feeling quite satisfied (laughs) not gonna lie Mm -hmm. yeah i was i was really happy especially with the final shot i thought it was really great to end with our siblings and also to end with them accomplishing their goal because i think it's fun that they never forgot that that was what even when they were fighting for their lives i Mm -hmm. loved that in the end that's why they started this and i thought it was cool that they had m continue to try and successfully get it and that she did i thought that that was a great ending yeah. So it because it was I feel like it could have gone two ways and and his endings do vary. But I feel like for these characters, it was really, really nice to see them succeed yeah. because you, all, want, you wanted them to win. Yeah. You know, it's an, after it's an action adventure. Shit, 
yeah, after all the shit they went through, you want to see them succeed. And every single time they got so close and then they didn't get there. And so it was nice to have them get something, something at least, because she got a great, she got the, she got the top model shot. It was yeah, very she did. good. Now, one thing that I might have missed it um, just in the moment there, but I know like in the like release and climax of everything, like she's happy that she got the shot and like we see the shot come out mm-hmm. of the well, but we also see a bunch of like reporters and stuff coming to um, see what has happened and we don't see her pick up the shot. Now, I don't think that means anything by all by all means but Mm -hmm. it was something that i clocked that like we don't get to like see her hold it but maybe you don't need to you know maybe it's just this idea that the creature's dead so no one else is going to be able to get the image that she got Mm -hmm. and so it belongs to her i think maybe there was just like a pessimistic side of me is like is somebody about to steal that paper (laughs) like em i need you to grab that photograph right now before somebody else claims that and makes the their own but they couldn't get in (laughs) Because remember, the gate was locked. Uh, so they were true. all on the other side. Mm-hmm. And then M was inside. Gotcha. And then he was. Yeah, I felt it felt nice. I kind of I like that she doesn't pick them up, though, because although it's important that she gets the shot, I do mm-hmm. like that in that moment. The most important thing is that both of them are OK. And yeah. like that's the thing that is clearly on her mind is mm-hmm. just seeing mm-hmm. her brother and knowing that he's fine he made it out and then him vice versa and so having those pictures is just like an extra sweet sweet like side but mm-hmm. the main course is the fact is that they both somehow made it made out of it that alive this. yeah <laughs> i you know what i feel that i feel that <laughs> um but all right is there anything else that we want to cover before we give a rating for nope so I think that that is everything. I think that's the majority of everything I want to talk to you about. Like, I know, yeah. again, there are at this point people hyper analyzing this movie left and right. So, like, as the days move forward, we're going to see more information about like little tidbits and like little theories and all that stuff. And that's all fun and well. Um, but getting to like really talk this movie out with somebody was what I wanted to do. And I feel I feel accomplished in that regard yeah. today. I feel like I definitely aired out a lot of my thoughts here. So thank you for sitting and listening and, you know, letting me bounce ideas off of you and Mm -hmm. vice versa. Yes, of course. Yeah, no, it felt nice to talk it out. I think like getting all of my thoughts and stuff out, I feel I feel like I've really been able to pinpoint like what I what I enjoyed and the little things that maybe kind of had me feeling a little bit less. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I was really able to like pinpoint all of the precise moments rather than when I left and I was like, whoa. Yeah, you're just like, you said that movie what just washed ride. over yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. You're just covered in blood and you're like, ah, what yeah. happened? But I think, I'm like, I think I remembered everything that I'd wanted to talk about for the most part. All right, fair enough. Um, now, in terms of rating, I'm gonna throw one out there. Horses in the sky. We get a lot of those. Mm-hmm. That could be a metric that I don't think we're gonna ever need to use again. Knock I, on wood. I think so. I think we could do horses in the sky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, would you like to go first, or would you like me to go first? Um, 
Emmett, you can you go first. All right. Um, I am gonna go ahead and I'm gonna give Nope. I'm gonna give it a four point nine out of five. Horses in the sky. Mm-hmm. We extensively talked about it today, and I think you guys are probably overhearing my opinions about it, quite <laughs> frankly. But I really, really, really love this movie. Like I enjoyed my experience watching it in the theater. I enjoyed getting to sit here and chat with Erica about it and really like talk out my feelings and my mm-hmm. thoughts and theories and whatnot. And there's just there are just so many images and moments and feelings that I had while watching this that I do truly think are going to stick with me for a long time. Um, honestly, I do think this movie is a five out of five. And I think after I get to watch it again, it will be a five out of five. But just on the first viewing, um, knowing that I didn't take everything in, I don't know if I can fully give it the slam dunk five out of five quite yet. Mm-hmm. But I think a phenomenal movie worth everybody's time everybody should go check this out it is a phenomenal blockbuster 4.9 out of 5 horses in the sky okay i'm gonna give nope 4.7 horses in the sky out of five nice all in all this is a grand movie on a very large scale and is a very enjoyable ride i liked this movie a lot i liked my experience i loved the characters, I love the interactions between the characters. I like that at the end of the day, this movie really boils down to the relationship between a brother and a sister who are on a mission to catch this sight unseen and gain some potential fame and fortune from that. I like that as our anchor story and then everything that comes from that. The creature is a 10 out of 10 for me. The design, for the most part, I think is fascinating. It's the way that it attacks, the way that it kills, the sound design for it, the way that sound like echoes through throughout it. Everything about it is haunting to me. So I love the creature, I think, top marks for me in this film. Yeah. My only issue i think would just be the ending although is very consistent for me and as far as in regards to the rest of the film i do think the ending was a little murky a little muddy at times for me and had moments that i felt brought me out of the ending when i really wanted to be captivated by it i just felt like sometimes i wasn't as as glued to the screen as I maybe had been prior because there are moments that just rang a little untrue mm-hmm. to me. However, the that doesn't take away from the ending. I still think that it's well done. I still think it's fun. And I think this movie as a whole is definitely something to be seen. And I, I do believe that upon rewatches and some reflection, I might up my rating just the way that i'm feeling right now but at the moment with how i'm sitting on it i definitely think it falls at a 4.7 horses in the sky out of five very very nice (laughs) we did it it's been years in the making we we dropped the nope review 
we did it we finally got to see nope and we finally got to talk about it <laughs> and to all of you homies if you've made it this far i'm gonna go ahead and assume that you have seen the movie and <laughs> if you have we want to talk about it so if you would like to discuss nope with us you can do so on our social media we are homies of horror on everything or if you wanted to get into our Discord, the link for that is in our social media bio. That's where all the homies hang out and chit chat. So if you guys want to have a little bit more of an in-depth conversation with not only us, but other homies who have seen it, then please come into the Discord. We'd love to see you there. You can also email us. We are homiesofhorror at gmail.com. You can email us requests, recommendations, and business inquiries. And if you're listening to this on the day that it comes out, that means it's Monday, which means that we are streaming on Twitch tonight. If you would like to come and watch us do a little gaming, a little drinking, and a little chit-chatting, then the link for that is in our social media bios. And last but not least, if you are so inclined, we would very much appreciate it if you would leave us a rating or a review. You can do both on Apple Podcasts. The more ratings and reviews we get, the better. Recommends our show to more listeners. And we just like to hear what you guys are thinking of the show. Or you can head over to Spotify if that's where you're listening. You can leave us a rating by going to our page. Click the stars underneath our name and leave a rating there. But that is it for us homies thank you guys so much for listening through all of our nope talk we hope that you enjoyed it and we are as always excited to see you guys next week to talk about another spooky movie catch you next time homies bye